Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Issues 2019. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Chance Hayes, Warning Coordination Meteorologist with the National Weather Service in Wichita. How about that? Morning, Steve. That's a mouthful, that isn't is it? That is an impressive title. Welcome to Issues 2019. As always, the spring and summer severe storm season just around the corner. Each year about this time, Chance comes on to share a lot of valuable information with our listeners. Chance, you've, you have a big educational effort called Storm Fury on the Plains. Tell us about that. We do. It's a, it's a community outreach program where the National Weather Service uh, travels, well, across the state, to be quite honest with you. All seven National Weather Service offices will hit each county in the state of Kansas to provide uh, specialized training to the public, storm spotters, storm chasers, on exactly what to look for in the clouds and to know when it's bad. Uh, because we understand that here in Kansas we're pretty weather savvy, but when we see certain signs in the clouds or in the sky, we understand when it's bad, and that's when we want folks to take action and go to shelter. So we just go around and, and meet the fine folks of Kansas and teach them a little bit about weather and, you know, say, here, this is what's bad, and when you see this, you need to go inside. How many years have you done, Fury? Boy, I tell you, I've been doing this since uh, 1995 here in the Wichita metropolitan area. Yep, so uh, I've been at it for quite some time. What wow. did that make it? About 23 years, I guess? Yeah, I, yeah. Thought, I didn't realize you'd been doing it that long. Yeah, you this will be 24th year. You're on the verge of getting it right then, huh? I'm getting close. <laughs> How many people attend these sessions, Chance? You know, it's, it's a wide variation, but uh, give and take uh, a few numbers here and there. Each year we average somewhere between 3,600 folks and, and 4,200 folks across those 26 counties. So, you know, my goal every year is to have an average attendance of about 100 per presentation. And it can go from 15 uh, folks in some of the smaller, less populated counties to over 400 here in uh, Sedgwick County. When you say 26 counties, is that 26 programs, or would that be more than one program in a county? We'll have a few more programs than that. Typically, we'll do one program per county, but there's a few where we'll go during the afternoon where we have, uh, you know, some folks have a lot of interest, and, uh, you know, some of the cities will actually send to their uh, city employees for the training. We get a lot of law enforcement officers and uh, fire folks as well. So there are a few counties we'll do, too. I think we average about 33 to 34 presentations per year. How can uh, how can our listeners find out when a storm fury is planned for their neighborhood? I'm sorry, what was that, Steve? How can they find out where when, when one is planned for their neighborhood? You've, is it on the webpage? Oh, it is on the webpage. Yeah. They can just go to weather.gov slash Wichita, and up at the top, it'll just have a link to storm fury on the plains. It'll list all the uh, venues that we're going to be at uh, over the next month and a half. Or they can reach out to their local emergency manager. We work very closely with those fine folks to uh, organize the presentations for us, and they'll have that information also. We're going to talk about the storm season, the spring storm season, but as you and I sit uh, to record this conversation, we're having a, 
uh, we're having a storm of well, kind of a well, it was just cold, wet, rainy, icy, misty, everything at once, and it's, it's nasty. It's nasty. It is. But uh, in, in wintertime, when it comes just for just a second, let's talk about winter stuff. You bet. What's the most dangerous thing about winter storms other than getting stranded out there someplace? I suppose. You know, the most dangerous is driving. To be quite honest with you. Uh, unfortunately, we have more injuries and fatalities in most years due to people driving too fast on the uh, ice or the slick roads and losing control and, and having, you know, single car or multi-car accidents. Uh, so that, that's the number one difficult thing for us is, is just truly, truly trying to get people to understand to slow down. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they slow down, they're going to make it to their destination. If not, they, they run a higher risk. We haven't had really a big snow season for years, it seems, in south-central Kansas. But uh, that's one of those things that uh, I've heard. Forecasting snowfall for a given place is almost impossible for meteorologists. It's very difficult. To uh, be, you can be within a couple of inches, but usually it's uh, yes, kind of tough. I mean, there's so many different parameters that you have to look at. The most important is probably the thermal profile or the temperature profile of the atmosphere. You know, typically we think as you go up into the atmosphere, it gets colder. Well, sometimes there's warm pockets of air up higher in the atmosphere. And if that frozen precipitation falls through that warmer pocket, what does it do? It melts. So then we have to think, well, how thick is the air below that warm pocket? Is it going to refreeze? Is it going to turn into sleet? Or is it going to remain rain and then freeze on the surface? So... You know, when you're we're trying to look at these different layers of a cake and understand exactly what the temperature is, how deep it is, it becomes pretty doggone <laughs> difficult. It, it, it does. Let's talk about the spring storm season now. People, yeah. people seem to be most interested, of course, in tornadoes. Now, how many did we have in Kansas last year? You know, in the state, we had 45 tornadoes last year in Kansas, and, and that was actually a, a slow year. Because if you look at the average number of tornadoes from when we really started uh, keeping track of them back in 1950, the state average is 62. So what's that making about 17 below normal? And, and then how many did you say we had? We last had year? 45. Okay. You know, and, and typically when you look at climatology, they look at a 30-year average, and our 30-year average is all the way up to 95 tornadoes. So we were 50 below that 30-year average. So. Hmm. You know, when you, when you look at tornadoes, yes, it number-wise it was a slow year, but you know, unfortunately, you, you go talk to the fine folks over in uh, Eureka, it wasn't a slow year for them. It only takes one tornado to be a bad year. And uh, is there any possibility that when you say forty-five, do you know that accurately, or is that is does that come from computers, or does that come from pe- two, you know, like three people can see three different tornadoes? So you know That's, what I'm saying? Those are the official reported okay. tornadoes. The, hmm. And so basically, you know, a lot of times we'll have to triangulate that, and then each office will go out and, and do damage assessments uh, to try and find the track of the tornadoes. And, and those are about as official as what we can come up with. Could one have touched down that we didn't get reported? Absolutely. Yeah. That could have happened. Oh, yeah. But, you know, this is as good a number as we can possibly get. Yeah, if you, if you want to find out how rural the state is, just drive from here to Colby or something. Oh, know? no question <laughs> about it. <laughs> there's some big flat places out there. There's a lot of big flat and places. And most of the time, the tornado is going to, if it touches down, it's going to be far from anybody. You're right? absolutely right. And, you know, that's one good thing about living here in the heartland is the majority of tornadoes that touch down do touch down in open country and cause minimal damage. 45 last year. How does that compare with recent years then, uh, Chance? 
You know, as the last couple of years, we've seen a spike in the number of tornadoes. But prior to that, we were in a downward trend uh, over the previous few years. So, you know, the 10-year average is going down, but the yearly number is starting to go back up. So I wonder if we're starting to see a transition into a more... Uh, you know, tornado more busy active. type season. Yeah, yeah more well, active season. Well, then you said earlier, what was that figure, the average for the past 20 years for a year? For well, years? the average since 1950 was yeah. uh, 62 tornadoes. Wow. And over 30 years was 95. Hmm. Yeah, we had some very busy years there hmm. uh, in the early 2000s. Any, uh, any fatalities this past year? You know, from my standpoint, I don't believe... We did here I in don't Kansas. Think there was, I know my right? jurisdiction did not. But we did, had eight entries in Eureka, but I think that's all we have from the okay. tornadoes. Okay, was it, and again, you're, you were in the Wichita office, and there were, what, three different uh, uh, National Weather Service offices in Kansas? Well, Wichita? that actually reside in Kansas. Yeah. We have uh, Topeka, Wichita, Dodge City, and Goodland. Oh, okay. But we also have three periphery offices that do serve a portions of Kansas. Uh, one in Hastings, Nebraska, actually in far north central Kansas. Yeah. Uh, Pleasant Hill, Missouri, which is just outside of Kansas City, will have some of the northeast. And then Springfield, Missouri, has three counties in far southeast Kansas. So if something happens at, at the office here in Wichita, out near Eisenhower National Airport, uh, if something happens out there, uh, like the computers go down or say, God forbid, you should be hit by something. Uh, uh-huh. You're, you actually could switch over and your duties be taken over by somebody in Topeka Oh, absolutely, else. very quickly. It uh, could flow pretty easily. Though. Absolutely. In fact, yeah. we lost communications uh, a couple of nights ago in the office where we could not disseminate any products, you know, uh, zone forecasts, and, of course, right. there were no watches or warnings, but nothing could come out of our office. So we call our primary backup, which is Topeka, Kansas, and everything comes through Topeka just like they're here. And if Topeka's busy, we can uh, reach right out to Dodge City, Kansas. They take right over for us as they're our secondary. And here's what kind of neat is this is something new over the past couple years. We also have a tertiary backup. Okay. A fancy word for this Okie here. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Rapid City will actually serve as our tertiary. Rapid City? Yeah, absolutely. Way up north. Where is that? South Dakota. Is that where Mount Rushmore is? Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Really? Yep. That's your backup. Up there in the Black Hills, isn't it? All right. They're our third backup. (laughs) Just in case we're really busy here in Kansas, they can take over for us. How does uh, Kansas – we always ask you this every year. Uh, We're known as Tornado Alley and all this, but how do we really stack up in terms of uh, number of tornadoes compared to other states around the area? You know, I did some statistics on that a a year or so ago, so I don't know if it's uh, 100% accurate. But when I did do the statistics, there was only one state that had more tornadoes than Kansas, and that was Texas. Uh, Oklahoma was, I believe, a close uh, third to us. Uh, That may be changing over the last couple years since our numbers have been down a little bit. But uh, Texas was by far number one. But, you know, when I look at it from a square mile standpoint. Geographically, yeah. Geographically. Kansas is a lot higher than they are down in Texas. Yeah, and we're pretty. And Oklahoma's probably right there. There, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, is there any way to know what kind of twister season we're going to have this year? Chance? You know, I can't tell you to be quite honest with you. You're, what yeah, I can, the, you probably what, you probably what, thought the Chiefs were going to be in what, the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was hoping that they would. You know, I, my my hopes got uh, you know shot just a little bit there. And you know, since I'm no longer a Cowboys fan, there but, you go. Uh, you know. 
I'm, I can tell you this. We are going to have storms in Kansas. <laughs> we will have some tornadoes. You know, in fact, I think I was looking back through the years, and and uh, there were a couple years we only had two reported tornadoes really? in, in my jurisdiction. Yeah. Wow. So maybe that will happen. I'd be very happy if that does. But we will have large hail, and we will have strong winds. Okay. And honestly, folks are going to be at more danger due to the strong straight-line winds and hail than they are with tornadoes in most cases because talk, it happens more we're frequently. We're going to talk about in just a minute. What, what's the most important thing, though, for our listeners to remember about tornadoes? I mean, not that uh, Dorothy's house got taken away, but there's no, got to be something really to think about. You know, the most important thing is, is to understand the weather, respect it, and go to shelter. You know, it's all about taking risks, and I'm one of those. I do not like to take risk, and if there's the potential for that hazard moving into my area, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and go to shelter. And that's what I want folks to understand is we don't ask you to stay in there for one whole hour. You know, I can remember as a kid going and sitting in the closet in the hallway for over an hour during tornado season. Now, with all the technology, you folks here at the radio station providing them up-to-date, instantaneous information, they know when the threat is there and they know when it's passed, and it's just a short time frame they have to stay in shelter, and that's what I'm asking them to do. You know, even, uh, and of course, when it gets bad like that, uh, I, I've covered the storms, and uh, I'll tell you, I, I, I'd just soon be in shelter and not be out trying to take pictures and doing stuff like that. And at night, it gets really scary. It's really scary <laughs> at night because you can't see what's coming yeah. except for the lightning, and then by that time, by the time you see the flash, you may have already been struck. It's too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's extremely dangerous at night. You know, we understand storms. You know, we all have these smartphones with radar imagery, and we can see where the red is. I mean, yeah. folks just need to understand, if you see red on the radar imagery and it's moving towards you, it's bad, you need to get inside. But get inside before the red gets to you, because you can be struck by lightning before that red ever approaches. I, I think I, I may have told you this a couple of years ago. I was out at night uh, looking for tornadoes out around Colwich, and for some reason... I got completely turned around. I didn't know whether it was going south, north, east, or west. And I uh-huh. finally, after driving a little bit, I hit a main road, and I knew where the heck I was. But well, it, it can be confusing. Night, yeah. Absolutely, it sure can. And, and another sad thing is if you're out, you can get caught off guard. Right. I mean, I was you out. You don't have that bubblehead uh, 24 hours. Oh, know, absolutely. Yeah. I got caught chasing last year, and I had to do some slick maneuvering to get away from the storm. You're listening to Issues 2019 on the Intercom radio stations. Our guest is Chance Hayes, Warning Coordination Meteorologist with the National Weather Service in Wichita. Tell us about the difference between watches and warnings for tornadoes and thunderstorms. Okay. Basically, a watch, just we're telling you to watch out. Pay attention to the weather. Pay attention to all media outlets, radio, television, uh, social media, because there's so much information on social media anymore just to know when conditions are prime and, and what the anticipated time frame is going to be. And then the warning means you need to take action. Uh, if you are in the immediate warning, that means at a minimum, get indoors, get inside of a vehicle, and if it's a tornado warning, you need to find your shelter. Because now we're doing things on a polygon base versus a county-based. So those polygons many times can be the size of one-fourth to one-half of a county. Right. So you're at a higher risk now than you would have been previously. What, what triggers a tornado warning? What do, you, what, what do you have to see? You know, there's, there's multiple things that, that go into a tornado warning. We at the National Weather Service, we employ what we call a two-out-of-three warning decision process. 
We look at the radar. There are certain things on the radar that will point or hint towards a higher potential for a tornado. It could be a hook echo on radar. That's where the winds are actually wrapping around a mesocyclone or rotating up after the storm. Yeah. Get a little scientific there. Two, we have the ability to see the winds within the storm. And when we see the winds coming towards the radar and away from the radar right next to each other, we call that gate-to-gate shear. And the faster those speeds are, the higher the likelihood a tornado could occur. But it's still not, you know, a guarantee that it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. We can see those. We also have to look at the environment. Is the environment even conducive to produce a tornado? And then we listen to the spotters and the chasers and what they're seeing in and around this storm. And, and we take all that information and we throw it into the hopper. And, and when two out of those three meet the potential criteria that we're looking for, we'll pull that trigger and issue a warning. What about on a severe thunderstorm warning? You know, we're looking at many different things there. One, we're looking at updraft strength. Uh, the stronger the updraft, uh, the more weight or volume it could hold up into the storm. And the higher it is and the more it is above freezing, the higher the likelihood for a larger hail. So we can see hail cores aloft in the storm. And then we also, like I said, have the ability to see the winds uh, with these storms. So when we have long squall lines, which are straight-line wind producers, we can get a good estimate of what those wind speeds are going to be. And then also all of our spotters and chasers and the folks reporting on social media let us know, you know, through pictures or through uh, tweets, what's happening. And that uh, gives us a good idea for what's occurring so we can pull that trigger for a Talk about those squall lines, those straight-line yeah. winds. If you've ever been out there and one came through and the trash can started to fly in and, and yes. the old car starts to rock, and oh, those, are, those no, are tough. No doubt about <laughs> it. You know, I, uh, I made a mistake one night several years ago and thinking that a big hailstorm was moving through. It was about 4 o'clock in the morning. I was kind of weary. And uh, so I was like, well, I'm going to take my car to the car wash. Well, the hailstorm kind of gusted out, turned into a, a, a strong bow echo. 100-mile-an-hour winds blew through, and I'm sitting in the car wash with two walls on either side of me, so the winds are getting compressed, and my car's just bouncing, bouncing. up and down, and I can hear the sheet metal ripping off, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's all I need to do is one that talks about safety actually die in an event. <laughs> that would have been embarrassing <laughs> for everybody. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> but those straight-line winds, they can... They're, they're, they're frightening when they, they come They are. Through. They're very frightening. I sat in the parking lot, and here it came, and it yeah. was weird. And see, what folks need to understand is that straight-line winds are as dangerous, if not more dangerous, than the majority of tornadoes. Mm-hmm. So don't discount them. When a severe thunderstorm warning is issued, you need to get inside. Talk a little bit about the danger of lightning. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's, to me, it, it's, it's probably one of my worst nightmares to be quite honest with you because i see people completely ignoring the lightning that is occurring you know i see videos all the time you know people are out standing on the porch lightning strike the tree part of the tree will fall down on the porch collapse on them football games soccer games softball games they don't call them soon enough because lightning can strike 10 up to 15 miles away as the storm is approaching and you got lightning all over the place and they're still out on the field we're right across the tree from a golf course, and I see golfers still out there playing golf. Yeah. And I just want to run outside and say, what are you doing? But I don't want to take that risk of getting you know, struck. And it seems to me, though, Chance, that over the past couple of years, some of these sporting events uh, have been more and more uh, sensitive to that. They at are. Least. 
it, it's an educational process, and many of the athletic directors are understanding uh, the risks that are involved, and, and they are becoming a lot more proactive. So kudos to uh, the schools and, and the events for doing that. We just need to continue, and, and hopefully that will continue to trickle down into the, you know, the Little League games, and, and we can get more folks in, in shelter. Talk about the dangers of flooding. Is this the most dangerous thing? Well, it probably is. It is overall the number one killer of, of most folks. And, and unfortunately, we did lose a couple of gentlemen this last year out near Independence. Uh, they drove into a water-covered road. Uh, it was a creek that many folks in the area had never, ever seen go across the roadway. Um, but this unfortunate night, uh, they were uh, father was driving his son to, to work. And they were taking their normal path to town, and and it had been raining cats and dogs. And unfortunately, the, the area was kind of in a bowl, and the water came up real quickly. It was estimated to be about four feet across the roadway, and, and they drove into it and got swept off the road. And and most folks, they just they don't understand the sheer power of water. And if, and if I'm not mistaken, I'm wanting to say water flow at about seven miles an hour is equivalent to an EF5 tornado wind mm. speed. Yeah, so just it doesn't have to be very deep to wash a car no. away. Well, even me, a bigger guy, six to eight inches of rapidly moving water can knock me off my feet. Okay. What about uh, uh, hail? Big, big danger from hail every year? I well, mean, there's I, always a big some danger. Big stones, but yeah. yeah. You know, our biggest hailstone last year was up in Barton County. I think it was four inches in diameter. That's the size of a softball, folks. Yep. Uh, you want to get hit on the head with a softball? <laughs> I don't. No. And it's going to be worse because of the, the velocity as it's falling. You know, when it comes to hail, we have that risk every year because we have hail storms. I just tell folks, use common sense. You yeah. know, it's like getting hit on the head with a hammer. If you want to get hit on the head with a hammer, go ahead. Mm. You know, but it, it's just common sense. Just stay inside. Now, I want you to talk a little bit about the importance of media in getting the word out. Oh, yeah. we, are, we are partners in this thing every is, year. is a wonderful partner for us at the National Weather Service, and I, I can't stress that enough because we understand that the media is our primary disseminator of information. You all have the ability to reach tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people to get the message out. And without the media, I, I'm just afraid more people would be caught off guard. And I'll be honest with you. I can't remember the last time in this area that I saw a video of somebody saying it hit without a warning. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the last time. That used to be very common. It's not anymore, and I think that is a true reflection upon the media and them and having the willingness to share information to keep people Did safe. you add in the radio, the TV, and, uh, and now the social media that's available out there, and nobody... You shouldn't be caught unaware. You shouldn't be caught off guard. And smartphones, you know, with our radars. Like yesterday, I'm sitting in my office. I had no clue the staff was going to prolong the winter weather advisory, and then my phone starts beeping. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> they just extended the winter weather advisory right there. I had a beep. All right, so be aware and, uh, you know, stay tuned into things that are going Absol on around you. And Absolutely. You should be hear, okay. You guys do a great job here at KNSS, and, and I appreciate everything you do as well as with your competitors. Um, I, I know we're all in this for the, the, the same goal, 
and that's to keep people safe, and I appreciate that. Yeah, and it's, it really sounds like a, a kind of an exaggeration, but it is true. I think that through our efforts, yours and ours and everybody who tries to inform the public, I think we've actually saved lives over every There's year. There's no, no question about it. We do. And, and that's, that's a good thing. It is. It is. Well, listen, thanks for being with us. Uh, again, the, uh, the severe storm season, I guess, is is right now from now until who knows it's coming up uh, uh the weather anymore you can't lump it into oh it's going to be three months or six months or whatever it seems like round around the calendar we've got severe weather going on sometime somewhere and uh thank you for the job that you do chance every every year and every day out at the national weather service our guest is chance hayes Warning Coordination Meteorologist with the National Weather Service in Wichita. That's all for this edition of Issues 2019. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.